Hello, I'm Pommy Harmer and you're listening to the seventh podcast of Follow the Sun. I'm with Marian Mente who wrote this book which presents the sequence of the Zodiac as a story. As usual, we'll hear Marion reading this chapter where Ares discovers the land of Libra and beforehand I'll be chatting to her about Libra's characteristics and afterwards she'll be talking to me about oppositions. Hi Marion. Hello Pommy. Welcome back. Thank you, it's lovely to be here. (laughs) This story is really hotting up now and a few characters are coming to play in the scenarios. Plus we have learnt about other important events and catastrophes that could affect the Zodiac. So before I bring us up to date with the story so far and because Libra has entered the scene, could you just say a little bit about Libra's characteristics? Absolutely. Now, Libra is the realm, the, the symbol of which is the scales. Unlike Taurus, it's a domain of Venus. Libra's energy is Yang, and it's masculine. And because the autumn equinox falls in Libra, it's a cardinal sign, and its element is air. Although the symbol for this sign is the scales, license is taken to represent Libra, a Yang energy, as a man. It's a seventh sign and begins mid-September to mid-October. And as we explained in the last podcast, it occupies the first polar opposite position of the cycle. Embracing all before of the first six signs, Libra is associated with the relationship of one to another, of harmony, balance, unity, and the appreciation of the finer senses, asceticism, justice and honour. Also, it's with the kidneys and the lumbar region. When it's expressed positively, the spirit of Libra is artistic, it's sensual, charming, tactful, impartial, cooperative, diplomatic and a perfectionist. But when negative, it can be indecisive and procrastinating, a little bit lazy, indulgent, conceited, narcissistic and envious. At this time in Virgo's realm, the ram will travel with Libra to Libra's realm in the foothills of the Great West Mountain Range, where those of the collective realms dwell. In this chapter, Ares learns a great deal about the deeper concerns in his world, and we get an insight into the artistic nature of Libra, his love of beauty, and his endeavours to achieve harmony and balance, not only in his home and lifestyle, but with his neighbours too and also with his need for truth and justice. Thank you. So let's think about the story so far. On the evening before Ares was due to meet Virgo, disaster struck and Leo was bitten by Serpentis, Scorpio's snake, who was trying to secretly retrieve the pearl and bring it to Scorpio. The eagle calls on Virgo, telling her of Leo's dilemma, so Virgo dutifully ventures into the night to find Leo to try and save him. The Shrike has also now caught up with Ares and tries to waylay the ram in a bid to regain the pearl, but fails. Amid all of this secrecy and confusion, along with Virgo, Ares has also met Libra, who's arrived in Virgo's realm to help with the harvesting of her crops. He finds himself challenged by Libra's doubts about him and his quest to venture from his realm, plus he's learnt some disturbing information about his realm. The one he's forgotten exists. All change and deeper meanings. The pony trotted at a brisk pace, making good speed over the moorlands. Ares asked about the collective realms. 
Uh, why are you so different from the realms in the East? Oh, it's quite simple, Libra began. But perhaps I'll start by quoting my good friend Sagittarius. First, you must accept that nature, as a totality of physical entities, creates unity and balance in all things, unquote. Simple, exclaimed Aries, whose expression showed that he hadn't expected such highbrow declarations about nature and unity. He just wanted to know who was who and what they did that was different. Well, perhaps nothing is quite as simple as it seems, smiled Libra. However, as you've seen, the realms east of Virgo, including your own before the earthquake, are self-contained and are a separate world in themselves, whilst being a part of the larger world. The aim of those sovereigns is to preserve the individualism of their realm within the larger scheme. Right, said Ares, feeling sure he'd worked this out during his experience in the realm of Leo. Conversely, continued Libra, the realms west of Virgo are collected together on and over and under the Great West Mountain Range, apart from the Pisces, uh, but I won't confuse you with them for the moment, though they are part of the collective. However, these sovereigns, of which I am the first you've met, have the collective aim of preserving the mountain range which supports our individual domains. Do you see? Ares nodded. He thought he saw. The world was a concoction of opposites, east and west, left and right, night and day. He recalled the sovereigns east of Virgo. Taurus protects his domain. He liked his creature comforts, and not even an earthquake could get him to venture. The Gemini were kept busy with their varied and ever-renewing environment of their domain. Cancer was attached to her lake and all she collected. She liked to trade but used stalk for the transactions rather than leave her home and treasures. Leo, ah yes, Leo, was devoted to controlling his territory, preserving his status. As for himself, well, all I have to preserve is me, he concluded. Yes, sighed Libra, at cost of all else. Oh, that's unfair. No, it's not unfair. It's the way it is, the way you are, in the same way that Taurus and Gemini, Cancer and Leo are. I'm making you aware of it, that is all, he said, casually shrugging his shoulders. But returning to Virgo for a moment. She is self-contained like the realms to the east, but she gives her help and services to the aims of the collective realms in the west recording events of our meetings and councils, sharing the crops, and we in turn help her with whatever she may need to run the farm. Oh, a sort of link between the two, said Ares, though still smarting from Libra's assessment of him. He was determined to get as much information as he could. Exactly so, replied Libra, and it also falls to those of us in the collective to cooperate on the larger tasks of preserving harmony and balance throughout all the realms. After all, east or west, we're all part of a much larger scheme if you count the sun, the moon and the stars too, which the collective do. He paused for a moment, deep in thought. He was reflecting on how Ares was causing him to think, to consider how opposite in approach they were. Whilst this was challenging, it was stretching his own comprehensions, his faculty of harmonising relationships between one and the other. Something occurs to me concerning the reason you ventured out, he said. Perhaps, and it's just an idea, you understand, but perhaps your realm had become 
too isolated. Those of the realm, which means yourself, naturally, had reached the imbalanced point of believing that nothing existed beyond that realm. Whatever happened there happened because you had to make this journey, had to gain a balanced perspective. He looked earnestly at the ram. Oh, I'm uh, I'm not sure, stammered Ares. Even accepting that he had a realm, which he didn't, he saw himself as the driver, not the driven towards his goals and accomplishments. To adopt the view that his quest was not entirely his own idea, that it was some role he'd been chosen to play in the greater scheme of things, was contrary to his assertive spirit. It didn't sit well with him. But while such an idea might offer an explanation for your adventuring, added Libra, it doesn't explain what has happened to the clan. Ares felt Libra was again putting him on the spot, and again he told him that he could recall nothing but the crater and the fog. He decided to change the subject. What are these larger tasks of the collective, and who is Scorpio? He was both angered and intrigued by this mysterious sovereign, It seemed they were adversaries and yet not even met. From what we can tell, began Libra, our world first sprang from fire, then came light. Scorpio is the sovereign of the dark recesses of our world, where many things lay buried since the beginning of light. Her domain includes the labyrinth, which sprawls like a web under the mountains and reaches deep into the core, the heart of our world, where the fire burns bright. We call this the transforming fire. Our world is old with many secrets waiting to be discovered and the labyrinth holds many of these secrets. In its deepest passages, crystals are formed from all that has gone before. When these crystals are scorched by the flames of the fire, they absorb the heat and light and are transformed into fire-bright gems. Our main task is to bring these gems to the surface We place them on the highest peaks where they freely give their light of the fire to the sun when the sun has reached the end of its cycle so it can begin anew. It is an offering of regeneration to the sun to continue light and life. He paused again, weighing what he knew of Scorpio and recognised that her way of battling, reacting to situations was very similar to that of Ares. He would be the first to admit that the ram ruffled him, but at the same time this stimulated him to making fresh appraisals of his responses to his neighbours. It is Scorpio's task to mine these gems. Serpentus is her faithful guide in the labyrinth, only he can sense the way in the darkness there, and the eagle is Scorpio's ears and eyes abroad, for Scorpio rarely leaves her domain. She is sensitive to the light and prefers to remain in the shadows. One of the few times she leaves her realm is on the eve when we hold our festival, the Celebration of Light, on the night of the 13th moon. Oh, tell me about the celebration, said Ares, excited by this new information. The world was full of mysteries he'd been unaware of, but was now keen to know about. Perhaps there was truth in what Libra had said about a larger scheme of things and his individual purpose to journey. But surely he was self-motivated. Although he can't remember how or why he came to be in the crater, he knew it was his idea, his alone, to escape. But then came the earthquake, a happening beyond his control. It was this event that had set him free. 
He needed to reconcile his thoughts about these ideas, but decided he would do it later. Now he wanted to hear about the festival. Well, as I said, the celebration begins on the night of the 13th moon, the longest night when our sun has reached its darkest hours, explained his host. At this time, after Scorpio has delivered caskets of the gems and Sagittarius has taken them on to Capricorn's realm, where they are placed upon the highest peaks, we gather on the plateau of Sagittarius and light a huge bonfire. There is a great banquet to celebrate the gems as well as the harvest yields and there is music and dancing, all the usual festive activities, until it's time for a new dawn and the beginning of the next cycle. The rays of the new sun lighting the dark is the most spectacular dawn of them all. Ah, he sighed, memorising the beauty of it. Oh, I want to be at the celebration, said Ares. I think it's the perfect reason for your quest. You broke out of your isolation to follow the sun and your explorations have led you to discover this event of the celebration of light. A really perfect reason, I think. Once we clear up this instance with Scorpio, the Collective will welcome you and help you in the matter of your clan. But first we must call up my villa to get my mountaineering gear. Libra then became quiet, enjoying the rich hues of the autumnal landscape. This was the time of year he most enjoyed to capture on canvas. He hoped this business with Scorpio and Ares would soon be cleared up and not take up too much of his painting time. Ares thought the heather-cloaked moors were breathtaking in the late morning sunshine. He was enjoying the cool autumn climate, better suited to him than the heat of the plains. Something about the landscape, the heather and the broom, felt strangely familiar, though he'd never been in these parts. Ahead, the mountains dominated, and being at closer range, he could discern that the blue-green pines of the lower slopes ascended to a wide, grassy plateau, spreading towards the base of the snow-capped peaks. He remained quiet and wistful, enjoying the journey for its own sake. He didn't mind too much about this excursion to Libra's villa, although he would have preferred to press on and see Scorpio to clear himself. He supposed it must be important to Libra to collect his mountaineering gear. <laughs> At least I'm naturally geared for mountaineering, he grinned to himself, feeling just a little supercilious. Moving on, his mind conjured images of Scorpio and what had been explained about the firebright gems. But even more, he thought about the purpose of his quest and this question of a clan, to which his mind drew a blank. Not wanting to dwell on this, he asked Libra about Sagittarius, how come he had been bitten by Scorpio's snake. Ha ha ha, or therein lies the tale... At the last celebration, Sagittarius, who's a keen archer, having drank too much wine, was carousing in a boisterous fashion and began lighting arrows, firing them at the stars. All great fun until he accidentally stepped back onto Serpentus, who was coiled up close to the bonfire. Serpentus had also been overindulging and was sleeping off the effects, but on being trampled he instinctively retaliated, giving Sag a nasty nip on the hindquarters. However, that was not the worst of it. At that same time, a flaming arrow, which Sad had poised to fire, flew drastically off course and lodged itself in the outstretched wing of the yawning eagle, who was rather upset, to put it mildly, 
to find herself pinned to the ground by a flaming brand. Oh, wow. Aquarius swiftly doused both the flames and Eagle with a pitcher of snow. Oh, dear, as you can imagine, mayhem broke out. <laughs> oh, Scorpio swept up her bird and snake and left in high dudgeon, refusing to aid the errant Sagittarius one iota. She can be quite unforgiving when crossed. Of course, it fell to me to fetch Virgo, who was uh, spending a few days at my villa, having left the festivities early because it was all becoming too rowdy. Virgo then had to nurse Sagittarius at his home on the plateau because he was unable to travel to hers and under the most appalling conditions, and that is from her point of view, I must add. Apparently, he was not a good patient. First, he wouldn't rest, as Virgo had insisted, then refused his medication, saying it wasn't having any effect. She accused him of being bigoted against her expertise and methods because she was more disciplined and orderly than him. He made jibes about her pernickety fussiness. She then complained about his shoddy housekeeping, and so it went on. As he recovered, it seems he regaled her with tales of his travels several times over, insisting she should traverse the regions around her in order to broaden her mind. Virgo retorted that she had more than enough to think about and the last thing she needed was some glorified gadabout suggesting she take a jaunt to improve herself. <laughs> Imagine! Oh dear! In any event, I then had to make peace between Virgo and Sag as well as between Scorpio and Sag. <sighs> I fear I would be worn to a frazzle if all across the realms decided to take a jaunt as recent events demonstrate. Once again, Libra found himself testing Aries. Because you now have to make peace between Scorpio and me. Aries felt he could fight his own battles. But I'm prepared to confront Scorpio myself about why she's attacking me. You don't have to speak for me. He stated his case in a reasonable tone, refraining from his usual attack-to-defend mode. Libra exuded calm poise in contrast to his own fieriness, and being aware of this difference was prompting him to practice more restraint. Now that's precisely why I will speak in the matter, replied Libra. Confronting another tends to cause disputes, not resolve them. In the circumstances, you may find yourself getting heated and angry, not representing yourself accurately and worsening matters. Equally, so might Scorpio. She too has a steely temper. I strive for harmony, which is why it falls to me to mediate, to restore equilibrium. In most disputes, all parties feel they're in the right. Therefore, in most cases, it's necessary to have an impartial party to weigh the argument of both sides against the known facts. When viewed clearly, the facts tend to point to the solution or truth of the matter, even when one is blind to or hiding the truth of their own part. Ares felt he was hiding nothing, but let the matter rest. He had too many new intriguing things to think about. By early afternoon they crossed the moors and were in the foothills. Almost there, announced Libra, and as they crested the brow of a high hill, his elegant white-walled villa came into view, nestled among cypress trees near the top of the next rise. Feeling quite hungry, they hurried through the ornamental garden, Ares admiring the copper fountains. 
These were sculpted into large fish whose mouths spouted plumes of water into long, narrow lily pools edged by kidney-shaped flower beds. They stepped inside the villa to a spacious sitting room. The walls were covered with large, glowing canvases and ornate mirrors. Here and there were beautiful sculptures and artefacts, and a basket of orchids filled the room with a delightful perfume. He was fascinated by the clarity of his reflection in a mirror. This is magnificent, he cried, preening and admiring himself. The Leos would really adore this. Oh, that's a very good idea, agreed Lieber enthusiastically. An excellent thank you gift for their hospitality, and thank you, Ares, for suggesting it. He gave the ram an unexpected, friendly hug. Once this business between yourself and Scorpio is resolved, I'll make a grand mirror, a most suitable gift for Leo and those wonderful extravaganzas. I'm really looking forward to the next one. Leo and I share a good sense of humour, and we both prize luxurious items. The mirror is made from material called glass, and that was the result of an accidental experiment between Pisces and Aquarius. However, very simply, glass is made by melting sand at very high temperatures. It becomes a molten liquid that can be formed into shapes, like these windows. He tapped the glass lightly. But you have to be careful. It breaks easily and shatters everywhere. He had apprehensions of the ram crashing through the opening. Best make that a travel-proof mirror for the Leos, grinned Ares. As well as the visual beauty, there was a sense of peace and spatial serenity about the room. The villa was quite different from Virgo's homestead being more given to gracious living than cottage industry. Libra suggested they eat in the garden, where they could sit and admire the mountain views. And here they were joined by his pet dove, who flew down from her coat to sit on his shoulder. In a tender voice, he asked would she fly to Scorpio's realm and give notice of their intended visit. The Shrike had left the vineyards and had followed them at a safe distance. Once sure they were in the garden, it crept inside the villa, making a note of Libra's portable treasures. As soon as it was able to set up its grand nest in a realm it planned to usurp, it would certainly return to purloin some tasteful furnishings. When their late lunch was finished, Libra showed Ares around his home. On the tour, Ares stopped to admire a life-size statue standing in the corner of the entrance hall. It was of a beautiful nymph-like female. She was born within a large seashell rising above foaming waves. Her luxuriant tresses cascaded over her shoulders to meld with the filmy drapes of her raiment. Oh, she's beautiful, he sighed. Libra smiled warmly at the compliment. She's divine and entirely of my imagination. He was especially proud of this work. Perhaps you should like to see my workshop. We have a little time. He had decided to wait until morning to set off to see Scorpio and spend a relaxing night at home before trekking into the mountains. At first, Ares was cross about the delay. He felt Libra was frustrating him on purpose. They argued about it, but he conceded that Libra knew the terrain better than himself and so reluctantly agreed with his plan. Hmm. Taurus likes to take things easy too. You get along well with him. And I suppose fresh starts are better first thing in the morning, he concluded. Libra agreed that, like Taurus, he did enjoy leisure and the pleasures of life. 
He led Aries through the gardens to a large, airy studio where half-finished canvases lay against the walls. Aries poked around and found some discarded statues similar to the one in the house. Why aren't these on display? Well, they're not quite perfect, answered Libra. Aries was openly astonished. Oh, they look perfectly perfect to me. No, perhaps. But after a while I notice the flaws and feel I have to create another, more perfect image. There is beauty that's appreciated only by the eye of the beholder. And there is an ethereal beauty, which is appreciated by the eyes of all. This is what I try to create. With that he changed the subject. He was aware of his inclination to find flaws, but was not inclined to justify himself at the best of times, and especially not with the instigator of so much disorder. Dove has flown ahead to inform Scorpio will be there tomorrow, he reaffirmed. Ares asked again how far it was to Scorpio's realm. Libra said it was almost a day's climb up to the canyons hidden between the peaks, and that the canyons ranged just before the plateau of Sagittarius. To placate Ares, he drew him a rough sketch of the trail they would take. Trust me, it is safer to overnight here and make a start first thing. The light fades early in the mountains and it's a treacherous route, unwise to attempt it at night. When the Shrike spotted them walking towards the house, it quickly flew outside. Deciding to take a chance, it approached them boldly, landing on the garden table. Now, oh, hello, I saw you as I was flying by. How pleasant to meet you again. I heard the good news that your wife's friend is better now, it smarmed. He is fine, was Ares' short reply. It was apparent that he didn't feel very pleasant about this visitor's surprise arrival. I see you're still travelling. Where are you off to now? it inquired. Oh, should that be any of your business? he said smartly. Oh, I don't mean to pry. I'm impressed by your ambitions. I've heard much about you at the harvesting. It sounded plausible, and there was no call to be rude in reply. We're making our way to Scorpio, he answered, about that business with Leo in the grove. Of course, exclaimed Libra. My wits deserted me for a moment. Ares has said you were at the scene. Tell us exactly what you saw. Hopefully you can shed some light on the matter. The Shrike was delighted. Events were moving its way. Without waiting to be offered food, it helped itself to the bread left over from the meal. So tell us, did you see anything before then? Was there any warning? asked Libra, relieved that Ares' account of an old bird at the scene was true. Oh, no, no warning. I had been on my way to the harvest. I liked to be early and had stopped to west for the night. It paused, recalling the scene in detail. Of course. The snake was at Ares' throat. Well, well. It fixed the ram with a malicious gaze. It now knew exactly where its treasure was hidden. It could feel its heart race. Stay cool. It thought. I was sleeping until I heard the lion howl, it lied, but I saw the worm get away. Then you know the west. Sleeping? You saw nothing beforehand, I mean. Libra's frown said he was not impressed by the shrike's information or its lack of table manners. Well, not much to tell. We had to get the poison out. I can't remember clearly. I'm getting old, 
it cackled, hoping to ingratiate itself. It was testing the water, a little fib to see how the ram would react. Aries shifted uncomfortably. He didn't want to think about it. It had been a painful experience. Leo collapsed, all his vigour, his warmth, his splendour ebbing away. I knew he needed help, had to get to Virgo, but our friend here took off on his own, running around in circles in the corn. I tried to help, but he wouldn't heed me. This lie would counter what Libra had heard in the barn. Divide and conquer, cause confusion. That was its usual policy, and it usually paid off. That's not true, postulated Ares, now furious at this blatant misrepresentation of the facts. You led me in circles, he said angrily. Led you in circles? In my condition? (laughs) Why would I do that? What would be the point? It shot a look of believable incredulity towards Libra, who in turn looked at Ares, who felt Libra was doubting him again. You can't believe this, stranger, he argued defensively. This whole business is so odd. I mean, it's hard to know what to believe, answered Libra, caught between the schools of thought. We need to speak with Scorpio. Aries' temper flared at this seeming injustice. He'd lost his patience with Libra's constant testing and doubting of him. I don't need you to speak for me. I'll find Scorpio myself and speak with her tonight. Before Libra could stop him, he charged out of the garden in a fury, the route to the canyons clear in his mind. Libra was also furious, but let him go. No way was he venturing into the mountains at night. If Ares found his way to Scorpio, and he felt sure he would, he'd catch up with him tomorrow. And if the ram got himself lost, then he would first hear Scorpio out about the incident with Leo, and they could launch a search for Ares. No one could get too far in that terrain overnight. Hot-headed fellow, isn't he? remarked the Shrike. I hate unpleasantness, don't you? It's getting late. I'd better be on my way too. And took off in pursuit. That was Marian Mente reading the Libra chapter of Follow the Sun. Marian, you've said that Libra is the first sign which is in opposition in the sequence of the zodiac cycle. So let's talk about that. Yes, um, Aries being the first sign, Libra the seventh, this is the first point of opposition. And opposition brings awareness. It can attract or repel. Either way, it creates tension and hence the tension between Aries and Libra. In, in the chapter, the angle of opposition is obviously 180 degrees and it creates an axis across the circle of one's chart. Embodied in the aspect of opposition is the principle of polarity in which extremes are encountered. In order to test the extremes and partake of the full value signified by the planets involved in any opposition, the individual will invariably find that during the maturing part of life, they will be beset by the need to live out the problems and difficulties as fully as possible in order to touch these extremes. I mean, as we live and grow, the capacity to utilise the full strength of those energies constructively can be realised so that there may be every opportunity of attaining harmony and wisdom that can only come from encountering a full life experience. 
So, Marion, can you give um, an example of that? Well, I will. I will give an example in, in just a moment. But first, I want to say that the opposite of an opposition is a conjunction. And I'd like to cover that here. And this is where two or more planets are in close aspect to each other, let's say no more than eight degrees apart. Here, there's a uh, coming together of the principles involved by those planets, and they are said to function as one. So, since in this chapter we're sort of dealing with Aries, who's Mars ruled, and Libra, who's Venus ruled, let's take the opposition of these two planets as an example. Okay. So, Mars denotes the drive to display energy. It's an initiatory force, heated and incisively expressed. Venus is the principle of harmonising and our capacity for forming close and affectionate relationships. When these principles are in opposition, partnerships are not easy. A cutting harshness can enter into relationships. Feelings are strong, but they cause and receive hurt, and sexual relations are likely to be intense, but not without quarrels. Whereas, if these two principles are conjunct, the ability to love and to enjoy sexual life and all things of beauty is strengthened. It's made more robust, but less delicate. Okay, so I think I understand that a bit better. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you, Pommy. You've been listening to Marian Mente reading the seventh chapter in her work on the Zodiac, Follow the Sun. Look out for our next podcast where she'll take us into the eighth sign of Scorpio. This is a story based on the sequence of the Zodiac, so make sure you don't miss out by subscribing through your favourite podcast provider. Follow the Sun was written by Marian Mente. The podcast was produced and presented by me, Pommy Harmer, and this was a Black Pearl production. 